Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host. And what an outstanding show we have for you today. It's all about wild turkeys. And, you know, we give thanks for our bountiful hunts. We give thanks for our family and our friends and, and the freedom that we have here in this great nation. Well, November's turkey time and the words turkey and Thanksgiving, well, they just go hand in hand. And as many of our listeners know, when, when the Europeans arrived in North America, wild turkeys were present and in great abundance. And we know they ranged in areas that touched at least 39 states and small piece of southern Ontario, Canada, and, and throughout much of Mexico. Well, I just want to give thanks to those visionaries who, who finally started protecting those remnant flocks and who later figured out how to live trap and, and move, transfer those birds, so that today we have wild turkeys and turkey hunting seasons in 49 of our 50 states. And and they're found in numerous provinces in Canada and states in Mexico. And it's certainly been one of the great marvels of wildlife restoration and conservation. The domestic turkey, well, it found its way, uh, well, the vast majority to Thanksgiving tables, knowing that it originated from the wild turkey. And it was back in 1520, Cortez, he took turkeys that were somewhat domesticated by the na- native peoples of the southwest, brought them back to Spain, they were a gift of royalty, and those domesticated turkeys quickly expanded throughout parts of Europe. And as explorers set out for new parts of the world, turkeys were included with other livestock that were taken on those journeys. In fact, tame turkeys found their way to places uh, uh, far off from America, New Zealand, Tasmania, uh, and European settlers brought them back in the early 1800s and was a main staple of meat for a growing world. Well, Thanksgiving just wouldn't be the same without the turkey. And on today's show, we're doing just that. We're talking about fall wild turkey hunting. And with us is world champion turkey caller, television personality, Matt Moret, and our turkey dog specialist, Brian Burns, going to hear in the second half of the show. He's been on the show before. We know him as the executive director of the Pennsylvania Game Commission and Matt as their marketing specialist. It's turkey season here in Pennsylvania and numerous other states, fresh in from the turkey woods. Let's welcome my good friend, Matt Moret. Well, heck yeah. Thank you for having me, Rob. I'm, uh, as I'm sitting here in the middle of turkey season and, and just listen to what you have said, but it, it brings back a, a whole bunch of memories from my childhood and, and just the facts. And, and so many times we take things for granted. And I mean, the turkey populations across this country are pretty tremendous and, and you know, what to once think that those things are almost gone, and me personally, I, w- I wouldn't know, know what to do with myself if it wasn't for the wild turkey. Well, I'm much the same way, and, <laughs> you know, November, for a lot of people, they don't realize it, but for many of us, it's fall turkey season, and uh, I know you've been out. How's the hunting been so far? You've been finding lots of birds? <clears throat> we have. I'll tell you, um, you know, obviously populations are up and down, and in, in my new home area in Pennsylvania and your old home area of Perry County. We've had a great hatch last, last spring, even with the really wet spring that we have, I think they had a real late hatch and there's more turkeys this fall than I've seen in the past four or five years. And and it's, it's been a wonderful year. Well, that's great. And, you know, as we well know, there's, there's cyclic and, you know, so much depends on the weather conditions uh, during nesting, uh, during, uh, incubation and then during brood rearing and uh you know mother nature just uh we just gotta let her take her course so and and see what happens but it has been good in many many parts of the country where numbers have been down and uh i'm sure you're asked this question i know i am quite often i've got to ask considering that you have both a fall and a spring season there in pennsylvania and of course in many states which you hunt what's your favorite 
I tell you, I, I mean, I, I grew up as fall turkey hunting being the mainstay, and well, I, can't, I, I can't honestly answer that question. I love them both. I, I think, for me, my personal addiction is their language and, and listening and, and learning about what they say to each other, and I think I get more of that out of the fall season, but that adrenaline rush of that gobble in the spring is hard to beat, so if I had to choose one, I probably have to quit both of them because I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> Well, share with our listeners here on how you approach a fall hunt. You know, many of them, they've heard about it, but they've never done it. And some of them say, well, I'm just, I'm going to stick to spring and uh, I'm not going to waste time fall hunting. But how do you go about, how do you go about pursuing the wild turkey in the fall of the year? You know, the the way that I was, I learned as a young kid and, and still do it today is, you know, looking for food source. You know, we live in these big woods areas where, you know, the plenty for turkeys to eat, including any of the mass crops or, you know, if it gets warm, the bugs or what have you. And, and always searching for that food source that turkeys like and, 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 you know, are spending a lot of time around. And, you know, when I grew up, my dad would take a week off during fall turkey season. And usually by the end of the week, we'd finally catch up to a flock. You know, Brian, obviously my boss here is addicted to these turkey dogs. And I told him that I grew up honestly a turkey dog that was my job i mean the the younger legs and the guys that could get up those mountains we cruised and cruised and cruised until we'd run into a flock or hit fresh sign and, and then try to get that you know in tight on that flock and get them scattered to to get vocal with them so to me almost a lost art nowadays to a lot of new hunters is actually hunting and and learning the woods and learning habits of that that animal that you're after and you know, even as simple as it gets down, what I'm learning here in my new job with the game commission is kids today don't even realize what a white oak tree or a red oak is. And there's a lot of information that, you know, in our plans to get out there that are, you know, beneficial to all hunters, especially turkey hunters, on, you know, how mass production works and red oaks are every two years and things to look for. And, and that's, as, as I grow as a hunter, almost in my 50s, I learn every day about the woods and, and, you know, that's my approach when it comes to fall turkey season is you know, we're after turkeys, but I'm trying to learn as much about that country as I can, no matter where I'm at, if I'm Pennsylvania or Oklahoma or, you know, New York, Kansas, it doesn't matter. And, you know, trying to find those turkeys and they got to eat every day, you know, water sources. And if you learn that block of woods or that mountain that you're hunting, eventually you're going to run into them. And, yep. you know, once we run into them, bottom line is trying to get them separated and get them back together. And, you know, talking to them and, you know, if you got young turkeys that are separated and they're lost, they're going to sound like young children that are lost and want to get back together. But, you know, calling them is, is probably the easy part. In my opinion, in the fall, the hard part's find them. Well, look, let's hold that right there. Let's hold that thought. We're going to come back if we take this break. And after that break, we'll continue this conversation with Matt. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here at Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we'll be right back. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere, with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000-square-foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. 
And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you just tuned in, we're visiting a world champion turkey caller and marketing specialist with the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Matt Moret. Matt, I, I know I stopped you right there. You were talking, you know, about the approach, talking about calling. And, uh, you know, for, for many years, Pennsylvania didn't have a spring season. And I can remember I was a senior in high school when we had that very first one. And, you know, you do learn a lot about the woods. You learn a lot about the birds. You learn a lot about calling that you don't necessarily pick up on when you're hunting spring gobblers. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, in the fall of the year, you can hunt uh, males or females, gobblers and hens. And uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, do you hunt them any differently, uh, one or the other? Because I know you hit, you can hit bachelor groups of old gobblers. You can hit, you know, family flocks of hens and their and their young of the year. Talk to us about that. Yeah, and I think the majority of of turkey hunters. I mean, there are, there are some guys that that set their sights on trying to hunt, you know, a flock of old gobblers, and you know, basically in the fall of the year those old gobblers are buddies and they hang out together and turkeys that were born last spring are you know grouped together as flocks and where you'll have jakes and jennies together and and to me i I, those old gobblers are too smart for me i'm not saying if i don't get in and find some that i'll try my my wits at them but they're they're those turkeys that aren't in a hurry to get back together you got to put your time in and be patient and they're going to take their time to try to get back together and get grouped back up together and and those young turkeys are the ones that I like to hunt. I, I think that's where I learn the most about vocabulary personally and, and get a kick out of, you know, if I'm turkey hunting or if I'm bow hunting and I start hearing some sounds out there, I really key in to what they're sounding like. And, in you know, as a caller or as a hunter, the more that you can sound like that turkey out there, the more successful you are. And, and, and I think all of us, Rob, including yourself that have grown up in that, turkey calling era of, of trying to perfect our calling and competing every time a turkey squawks we appreciate every sound that comes out of its mouth and you know yeah obviously here in pennsylvania we've got so many folks that are you know from the roms to benny galvis to i mean the list goes on and on to some of the guys that are competing nowadays that have taken turkey calling to the next level i think that uh most of them appreciate hunting those young family flocks more than anything because of what they learn about the language. And, you know, those old gobblers, I remember growing up and obviously, you know, I hunted a lot with my dad in Perry and Juniata County. There was, you know, there was 10 or 11 guys that would set their sights on old gobblers, but, you know, they spent a lot of time in the woods and a lot of patience. And unfortunately nowadays, especially introducing new turkey hunters, that, that patience thing is something that needs to be reinvented because there's not a whole lot of it out there. No, you can't even buy it at Bass Pro Shop. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that is something that it is hard to learn. It took me quite a while to learn just what patience was about. Well, look, we've got a lot here to, to jam into a short amount of time. Any special gear that a fall turkey hunter needs, then we're going to move on to calling devices themselves. Well, you know, not really. You you want to blend into the woods. Turkeys, obviously, their eyesight's incredible. They're they're able to, you know, see color out there and, and you, you know, great camouflage like you all have at, at Bass Pro, you know. And obviously, you know, as we get into the fall season, you know, the nice thing about spring is it's usually in a warmer climate. Fall can get pretty cold, so you want to make sure that you're layered up, you know, covering ground. And, and to me, the most important thing I carry in the fall or, or use especially as I get older, is good footwear because, I mean, it makes a difference, especially in these mountains that we live in where you're a lot of, you know, rocky terrain and, and mm-hmm. inclines and things like that. Footwear is important, but, you know, camo from head to toe, you always want to be safe out there. And, and, you know, whatever weapon that you choose, whether it's a shotgun or a bow and arrow, you know, obviously not just like spring, you want to practice, get proficient with it and, you know, know your range. And, you know, one thing with fall turkey is different than spring most of the time when those turkeys coming in, they're they're on edge. They're not in that mating ritual. They're looking for their lost friend or trying to get together. They've just been scared, what have you. And they're a lot more wary. So remember that when you're in a turkey woods. And that's I think that's when you really see that turkey senses come alive, more so than in the spring is when you're trying to call up a, 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 a young turkey, an old gobbler that has just been busted up from his family group. Yep. 
Tell us about, very quickly, calling devices. What do you recommend, new hunter? A new hunter, it's, you know, my recommendation for calling a brand-new hunter would be any kind of a friction call, slate, or a box that you can kind of be very versatile with. At both of those, you can call, like, old turkeys and young turkeys. And at the same time, you know, if you're a brand-new hunter, get yourself a diaphragm call, like a, a simple two-read call, and, and get learning how to use it. Because, obviously, when you got a mouth call in your mouth, there's no movement and things like that. But, you know, with today's education, with what we have on the Internet, you can go to YouTube or, you know, go to the shelf at Bass Pro and get uh, any kind of instructional audio type thing you can hear hens yelp on you at home on your computer where when we when i grew up you had to get in the woods and listen to them you get a lot of homework done nowadays with technology but and that's you know, the truth oh yeah learn about it i mean i mean that's one of the things you know watching and, and reading and all that's great and it gets you a good start but there's nothing more better than getting out in the woods and doing it and just being in the middle of it how about the vocabulary we just have another minute before we take this next break but uh the vocabulary just some simple calls that they ought to learn. And I know they'll pick that up uh, on these YouTube videos, but what's Matt Moret recommend? You know, it's like anything else. And I think as I get older in my life, I'm starting to keep things a lot more simple. You know, I used to think you needed to know a hundred different things, but if you can yelp and you can cluck, you can go anywhere in the country and be successful. I mean, turkeys just talking to each other with, with simple yelps and Add in inflection if you're lost, and, you know, young turkeys, a lot of times you'll hear a call called the kiki run, and, you know, it's basically that young turkey, ever since the day it comes out of that eggshell, is is peeping, and as its voice matures, it, you know, it develops, and it's still doing that whistle or kiki or call, you know, some people call it the lost call, and if you're dealing with young turkeys, it's good to imitate what they're doing. Um, I try never to imitate that old hen when she, because just like our mom's, those young turkeys know their mother's voice, so, you know, if she starts trying to get them back together, it's going to be tough to compete with her. So I want to sound like one of those lost young ones. Old gobblers, if you can cluck and, and yelp like a coarse old gobbler, which is, you know, a little bit slower in rhythm, a little bit deeper in tone, that's how they're going to get back together. And, and the other thing is, and, and a lot of people, and I know, Rob, and you have taught me a ton on this, is, you know, that pecking order still plays true all year long um our real funny our turkey season went out in our county last uh saturday sunday the first time in three weeks that i've seen turkeys on my place they were up in my food plot and those jakes were fighting strutting mm-hmm. now there was six or eight jakes together goblin they did everything like spring turkey would and you hear a lot of those sounds out there as well and and you know that pecking order it comes through every day of a turkey's life. So, you know, you can revert back to some of that springtime sounds in the fall, especially what I notice here on warmer days. Like, the, I don't know if it messes their system up or they think spring's coming or what, but uh, if it's like us, you know, if it's 30 degrees for a week and all of a sudden it's 60, sometimes it, it breathes a little bit of life back into you. You bet. Well, look, we got to make a break right there. And uh, anyway... We've got a lot more to talk about in this next segment. We're going to take that break and continue our visit with Matt. This and more coming up. And I'm Rob Kent, your host right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with Ald Beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us. If you just tuned in, we're privileged to have with us world champion turkey caller, television personality, 
marketing specialist for the Pennsylvania Game Commission, my good friend, Matt Moret. Well, Matt, you were telling us about the different calls. How important is calling to the success of a fall hunter? Can you kill a turkey without calling at all? You dang sure can. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys that do that. But to me, my personal opinion, everybody needs to go hunting the way they like to hunt. I I love to talk to them, and that's, you know, my favorite way to do there out there is to, you know, go out there and try to talk their language and, and fool them on their own dirt and, you know, getting getting one into 20, 25 yards. But that doesn't mean that, that that's for everybody. There's lots of folks that, you know, find areas where turkeys are feeding or working or, you know, back every day or three days and, and spend some time in that area. And, you know, if that's the way you want to do it, that's great. That's, I mean, I want everybody to go to the woods and do it like they want to, not like somebody they see on TV or read about or whatever. And, you know, what I've learned here at the game commission is, you know, I thought in, in my hunting career that everybody kind of, kind of hunted the same, but I'm learning that everybody enjoys different parts of hunting and different aspects of being in the woods. And, you know, not everybody wants to get in a deer stand all day during the rut. Some people just want to go for an hour or two. And in, in my opinion, you know, however you want to do it, that's your deal and it's not necessarily pulling that trigger it's going out there and experiencing outdoors and and like you said you know earlier what's been created for us and and people that have been out there fighting for our freedoms we're privileged to be able to utilize hunting as a conservation effort across this country and and you know so many people don't understand that hunting is a tool and that tool is is a privilege for us that enjoy the sport so much so you know, to get back to your question, I know I got long-winded on that one. Um, you don't have to necessarily use a call, but, man, it's fun. <laughs> it's yeah, fun to call one up. Yeah, well, look, again, we don't have much time. I know people ask you, tell us about your turkey gun, the shells, the load, and recommendations that, that you use and maybe a recommendation you can give to them. You know, I, I'm, I, I kind of I grew up hunting with a Model 12 because that was like, my, that was my dad's, he's a model, I mean, he still has his hands wrapped around a Model 12 today. Well, once I learned that there was lighter weight shotguns out there, um, you know, went to a semi. I, I personally shoot a, a 20 gauge. I have probably for the last 15 years. And basic reason is, is just the weight of the gun. And, and I know, you know, there's a big rage with ammunition on going to lighter gauges, even down to 410s. Um, uh, in the last three or four years, my eyes are getting pretty bad you know just with age especially reading and things like that so i'm contemplating actually going to some kind of a sighting system a scope or whatever but my personal opinion i I love that 20 gauge what i've done in the last 20 years is trying to get turkeys closer and and getting my range to where i'm not pulling the trigger unless that turkey's under 30 yards so Mm -hmm. my advice on long range stuff isn't very good because i try not to do it because i've just watched too many turkeys get away from people that think they can get out there so i i I use it kind of like an archer um you know to me turkey hunting is about getting them close and i i try to put myself in those positions where i can do that but i shoot a 20 gauge six shot is my my favorite that it's just i'm kind of old school rob and i'm from pennsylvania you know how that goes it's hard to change our minds (laughs) yeah i understand i understand for sure (laughs) well can you give us just in one minute something special that happened to you this fall season? I, I will actually. It, it, it's kind of neat, you know. With, with our new division, we're we're doing a lot of content gathering and filming, and just some with modern day technology, being able to go out and get some stuff that we can share to our, our hunting license buyers here in Pennsylvania. And last week, um, I was actually bow hunting and had a gentleman that works with us that that is a camera guy. And we came out of the stand, it got warm, and, and I went back in about 1 o'clock, and I was just kind of messing around, and I threw a mouth call in my mouth, and that's the reason I don't have any in my office, because I grabbed that pack last week before we went hunting. <laughs> and I said, I said, here's something I do, and I, we were shooting a little tip, and I said, when I walked to the stand, especially these crunchy leaves, and I had to pop up over a ridge, I said, I, sometimes I'll just act like a turkey. I'll walk up through here and, and you know cluck and yelp a little bit. Well, we did that and snuck up, got in the stand, pulled the camera up in about five seconds later he looked up he goes here comes a whole flock of turkeys now whether i called those turkeys up or not i I can't tell you if they were just coming up through there but it dang sure made me feel good and kind of blew my ego up that i yelped going to the stand and called a flock of gobblers up over the ridge and isn't that great 
It, yeah, isn't it that is. great? It really, is. It, it really, really is. Well, look, we are out of time, and uh, I just want to tell you how great it is to have you here in the show. We've got to have you back. We'll talk more about it. You certainly have a lot of experiences uh, to share and calls, et cetera. And, folks, when we return, we're going to catch up with Turkey Dog Specialist, the Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Brian Burhans. This and much, much more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. And welcome back to the second half hour of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We're privileged today to have with us, he's a passionate turkey hunter, a student of the wild turkey. And in fact, for more than a decade, uh, he worked with me at the National Wild Turkey Federation as a senior biologist. I mean, he's sat on trap sites. He's moved turkeys from Mexico into this country. And I can tell you, his passion for this great all-American game bird runs deep. After he left the Federation, he also worked as the chief executive officer of the American Chestnut Foundation, and now is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Game Commission. We're doing a marvelous job in leading that agency, but most importantly, he's always keeping the hunter in mind of the many, many decisions that uh, and recommendations he has to make. All that aside, he's here today to talk about turkey, put all the the other stuff away. We're here to talk about this special time, to talk about his approach to fall turkey hunting. And uh, he's using a special breed of dog as part of that hunt. Well, he's been with us before, and of course we talked about uh, game commission activities and what have you, but this is all about turkey hunting. I want you to welcome back my good friend, Brian Burhans. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Look, it's that time of year again. The turkeys are flocked up. The chill in some places is extreme colds in the air, but there's no better time to share the outdoors with family and friends. And we both love to spring turkey hunt, but what is so special about this fall season to you? You know, for me, it, it is my turkey dog. That's what makes the fall season so, so special. I have always loved fall turkey hunting, and I've lived in states that didn't have fall turkey hunting. Um, in Pennsylvania, has a Actually, our history and tradition of fall hunting is much deeper than spring hunting. Spring hunting is really a new phenomenon here in Pennsylvania. Uh, more popular now, spring hunting has really taken off. But we have a long history and culture of fall turkey hunting. But, you know, it's a, my favorite, one of my favorite times of the year. I can't say I like fall turkey hunting more than spring. I like them both. And yeah. uh, it's just a special time of year. And then having my little boy Tucker along with me in the woods just makes it all the better. Yeah. Well, just to pick up. And you go a little bit further on there. You know, today, Brian, there are more spring hunters than fall hunters. But as you alluded to, that wasn't always the case. Pennsylvania started with the fall season. In fact, my first fall turkey came, it was actually the day after John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And uh, it was on a fall hunt, northern Pennsylvania. And uh, I can tell you, you know, what a, what a weekend that was. And, uh, you know, I learned from my my dad and my granddad and uh they talked about you know scattering flocks and uh you know the fall leaves turkeys key keying and using those uh, those fall calls we didn't even think about a spring hunt at that time so give us a little bit more on why do you like to hunt fall turkeys what what is it about fall turkey hunting that that makes it so special to you and now you mentioned about tucker but give us a little bit more 
Well, you know, it's about the birds. You know, there's just, for me, I'm addicted to wild turkeys. I find them fascinating. I love watching them. I love calling to them. I love interacting with them. Uh, the, the woods are beautiful. You know, here in Pennsylvania, we have so much public land available to us, so much opportunities to hunt good turkey populations. But it's even more than that. You know, fall turkey hunting, I think, is, to me, very special because it's more of a social activity. I'm out there with, you know, two or three individuals, and a lot of times I'm not even carrying a gun. I just want to work the dog and get my buddy set up and call birds in and listen. You know, the birds are so vocal in the fall time, especially when you get a good bust on them. They're really, really vocal, and it's just a lot of fun to be out there. Well, you use a turkey dog. You've 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 told us about that, and that's where we're focusing here in in this part of the show, but uh, you use this dog only on fall turkey hunts. Tell tell us how this works. How how do you it's, do it? It's really neat. The, the the bird the dog I have is called a a Burn Appalachian Turkey Dog B Y R N E, and basically you let the dog out. He's actually a mix between a pointer setter and a plot hound. The plot hound gives him the long range. Uh, so you, you know, I'm always looking for an area that I know turkeys are frequent. I'm looking for fresh signs, scratchings, and or somebody might tell me, hey, I've seen a flock up on the mountain there. Uh, but you cast the dog out, and the dog will make a big loop, maybe 150, 200 yards out. He'll circle around until he hits my back trail. Then he'll follow that back trail to me, check in with me. I swear he smiles at me every time, too. <laughs> and then he goes back out and just repeats that. So he'll, he'll get up on the hill. He's looking for a fresh sign, and uh, th- that's... Until he can find the flock or find scent, he'll follow that scent, and then he'll get in there and bust the birds up. And what's neat about a turkey dog is it's not that they run in real fast and just bust them up. You know, turkeys want to run before they want to fly. And he'll go after the individual turkeys that are running and flush each one of them until every single one's flushed. And that's what's really – and they bark like crazy. You can hear them. They could be out six, seven, eight hundred yards out, um, and all you can hear is that barking in the distance, and you know it's game on. How do you set up then? I mean, once you know that you've put birds into the air, and, you know, I think back, uh, uh, Tom Kelly in one of his books, it may have even been in 10th Legion, that uh, he said, you cannot scatter a flock of turkeys too much. How do you know where to go set up, and what do you do with the dog? Well, that's the funny thing about especially these burned turkey dogs is uh, I use a blanket. A lot of the turkey doggers will use a bag. In fact, I was talking to J.T. Byrne, who is the breeder of these dogs, and he says after he flushes a flock, his turkey dogs will actually go rooting around in his pack to pull out that bag so they can get in and go to sleep. So the, now, I'm more, my dog's only a year and a half old, so my dog is in theory going to like this bag. We're still working through those issues, but they, they get in that bag, and, they, and I've hunted with, with Mr. Byrne, and it's amazing to see those dogs scoot into those bags, and they, they're just, you know, because they're running really, really hard. These are hard-running dogs. They're tired, and they just go to sleep. And, and uh, you know, with Tucker, he's younger. It's harder to tire, tire him out. And a lot of times I just watch him. A lot, sometimes the birds don't make any vocalizations, but I watch his nose. If he puts his nose up in the air and starts working that air current, I know there's a bird coming, and he never lets me down. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, of course, you've lived in South Carolina. You know, the boy can spaniel is a state dog. And, uh, you know, I oftentimes have heard stories about, you know, the Boykin was used two purposes. One was there in the low country in a Piro to retri- retrieve ducks, and he was a small dog, and he wouldn't turn the boat over. But he was also used as a turkey dog, and the reason that they clipped the tail on that dog was so that when that bird, or when that bird was coming into the dog, like you were saying with Tucker, and he began to smell it, his tail would wag. And they said when that tail would wag, it would let the turkey know that uh, there was maybe danger ahead. And uh, but you don't, you, your dog's tail is fully intact, right? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes that's all I see in the distance is that little tail up in the air as it goes back and forth on. Yeah. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break, folks. We return. We're going to continue our informative discussion, educational. Uh, hunting with with turkey dogs of Brian right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. It's Rob Keck and we will be right back. 
Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets, where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. And we are back. And thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. You've just tuned in. We're privileged to have with us a turkey dog specialist, one that uh, just happens to also be the executive director of the Pennsylvania Game Commission. He's also a good personal friend of mine, Brian Burhans. Brian, this special breed of dog, the burn turkey dog, tell us a little bit more about it. I mean, you, you told us the mixes that are in there. Uh, you mentioned about JT and and. Where where is he found? How how do people get in contact with uh, with him if they're interested in that kind of a dog? Absolutely, they can call uh, JT right on his phone. Um, uh, and you know, when I moved back to Pennsylvania, I always said if I ever move back to Pennsylvania, I'm getting a turkey dog. And that's when I moved back. One of the first things I did was I gave JT a call and I asked if I could get on the waiting list. Took me four years on the waiting list in order before I got the call that hey I've got a dog ready for you, and it's it's pretty darn special. And he doesn't. There's only a couple litters a year that he produces. It's not like this is a business or a puppy mill. He's just passionate about developing the best quality dog that loves turkeys and is a great family pet. And you know these these dogs are hard running dogs. They really really. I'm always amazed at how hard they keep on running and searching and hunting and searching. And at the same time, probably one of the most loving, affectionate dogs I've ever had. And I see that as I have colleagues and friends that have burned dogs as well. Very, very, very friendly dogs. You know, they're great at camp. They're great around people. They're great with other dogs. Uh, it's just an amazing thing. But they turn into absolute Frankensteins when it comes to finding turkeys. They turn into a different animal altogether. They are all about finding turkeys. Yep. Well, I've hunted with burned turkey dog. In fact, hunted with JT up in New York at Turkey Trot Acres. And uh, yeah, it's been a tradition up there in New York State uh, uh, there with uh, Pete Clare and, and his operation. And uh, I can tell you, everything you said is so true. And, and it's so much fun. You know, a lot of guys say, well, you know, it's not much fun to hunt them in the fall. Let me tell you, uh, let me tell our listeners, it is fun. And, you know, Brian Tucker, your turkey dog, you acquired as a pup. How did you train your dog to become a turkey dog? I mean, you got him as a pup. He certainly had it in the bloodline, in the lineage. But how do you go about training your dog to do what it is you need to do? Yeah, and these dogs I've found because I've trained, I've had Lab, Beagle, uh, trained my son's Pitbull, and every dog, every breed's different. And what's different about the these burned turkey dogs is you really don't teach them to hunt turkeys. You get them into turkeys, and they figure it out. They just know what to do. Um, the big thing with training these dogs, I mean, even the back trailing and the, the big loop they do in back trailing, they just naturally know how to do that. Um, it's just about spending the time in the woods, getting the dogs into birds, letting getting them out there and going and having some fun. Really where the training of the pups goes into is, you know, you don't want to overtrain these dogs because, you know, they're out there to hunt, and they're not like my son's pit bull, which if I give him the command, command nitro heel, he's six inches off my left knee and he's never going to move. These dogs have to be left where they know that their job is to get out there and range and get out there and hunt. Mm-hmm. But where the training does come into play is, for example, socialization is really critical to these dogs because you're going to other camps, you're hunting with new people all the time, um, and it's really important that these dogs are socialized properly, like any dog. Any dog can get nervous around people if they're not exposed to people all the time. I'm lucky because I live a couple of miles from Bass Pro Shops, and that's where I do a lot of my socialization is I take him into the store, and, you know, he meets new people, kids, older people, everybody, and he gets used to them, and he learns that people are good. 
I also take him to daycare, not only to keep his physical fitness up, which is very important with these dogs. You know, these dogs can get heavy if they're not exercised, but, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to lock them all day in a crate where he can't get the exercise, so I use daycare for the socialization with other dogs, uh, for the exercise to keep him fit, so when it comes hunting season, he's raring to go, and that's worked really well. He gets along with dogs and people, but you've got to train them and socialize them, or they they will get nervous around dogs and people. So basic command, sit front I use for come, those basic things, but the training collars are also very critical because that allows you to deal with things such as running deer or when he's out there 600 years. If I need him to come back, I hit a button, it has a beep, and he knows he's to come back to me, and he does it every single time. Very easy to train. I think on the collar, I spent five minutes teaching him how to recognize what the tone is and what to do, and he's done it flawlessly ever since. But I think one of the most important things with these dogs or any dog is it really does take a high level of commitment to really spend the time and make sure that these dogs, in all facets, socialization, physical fitness, mm-hmm. uh, the bond that they have with you, you really have to be committed to these dogs if you want them to perform to their maximum. Yeah, well, great and excellent points for sure. And and, and that's so true with so many of the, the sporting breeds. I mean, whether it's pointers, setters, what have you, spending time with that dog so he knows your voice, knows your commands, and... Uh, you know, you touched on one thing there. You don't want them run, running things other than turkeys. But, uh, you know, with the hound part in them, you know, it would be very easy for them to pick up on, on a deer when you're hunting turkeys. You know, you're in deer country. And so how do you break him from, from running a deer or, let's say, running a raccoon or, or something other than scattering that flock of turkeys? What do you do? And that's where the collar comes up, because especially if you're hunting in a place like Pennsylvania, where we have such a high deer population, you're not going to go into any block of woods and not have deer there. Um, now, I've been able to break Tucker of the running for deer uh, using the electric shock component of the collar. And, you know, I test that. I put it on my leg and I shock it so I know what the level is. And then, then I have to adjust that level to get a response out of him. And the key, you got to do this right. This isn't something that you can use. You can really mess up a dog if you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. With deer, the key is I got to see that deer get up and run, and then I got to see Tucker actually run after that deer, and then I'll give him the beep command for callback. I'll issue a no, a Tucker no, then I'll beep him. Then I'll use the vibrate mode, and then the last one I'll use the shock. And a couple of weeks ago, I finally got him broke on turkeys or broke on deer. He um, Wednesday we went back out. He was on three deer. I had to use the electric. Came back out last Wednesday, had a doe pop out 30 yards in front of him. Doe looked at him. He looked at the doe. Doe took off. I issued the command, Tucker, no. He walked back to me. He didn't chase it at all. So, you know, it's one of those things that's a safety issue because these dogs will run, and as we know, deer will run a long way. And You know, the issue is roads and cars. That's the biggest oh, thing yeah. to a turkey dog is getting hit on a road. Yep. Well, uh, good point. You know, this is not an abuse of the dog, and... As you said, putting that uh, collar around your leg to test it to that level, it's just a, another command that, uh, you know, it's certainly not something that's hurtful, but it's a, it's a great teaching tool as well. Well, look, uh, we want to talk when we come back about how you approach the hunt, talking about scattering that flock, calling to them. And uh, anyway, we got a lot more here to talk about in this final segment, and that takes us to our final break. So hold that thought. We return. Going to wrap up our conversation with Brian, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. 
And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here with Brian on the use of a turkey dog in the pursuit of hunting wild turkeys in the fall. Brian, give us a scenario on, on how you approach the hunt. You get out of the truck. Are you, are you there at daylight? Do you wait till you know, later in the day? Give us, a, from a starting point, the way things sort of unfold. You know, the most important thing with fall turkey hunting is the birds themselves. You know, we know that if these birds flock up, they can be in one portion of land for a while, and then, boom, they'll move, and they'll be a half mile somewhere else. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that there's birds in the area. But if you're just out, you know, I go out blindly all the time. I usually start at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. I want to give the birds time to get down off the roost. I want them to be walking around, putting their scent around, give some more scent for Tucker to follow. In addition, you know, we have our archery season open at the same time. So, you know, especially on the weekends, I'll go out at 11 o'clock or noon. That way I'm not going to be disturbing any other hunters that are sitting in a tree stand waiting on deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you just simply walk um, and let the dog range out, and he's, then he's on the job. He knows what to do. He's out there. He's looking for scent. And you continue to walk along and until he'll, if he does pick up a scent of turkeys, he'll follow them, bust them. And when he's done busting up the turkeys, um, usually he'll come right back to me. He'll usually follow his own trail right back to me. And then we'll go over to the bus site, and then we'll go ahead and set up. Well, this type of hunt, I think, lends itself to be a very social one, one that you can uh, experience and enjoy with, uh, with more than one hunter. What's it like to take another hunter with you? How do you go about that, you know, taking a second or maybe even a third hunter with you uh, when you're there in the fall turkey woods? That's the most fun part about this. And one of the things that really drew me to fall turkey hunting was, you know, you can easily take two or three other hunters. Um, after the birds are busted up, you know, we'll, we'll position up where we can see each other. For safety reasons, we want to be able to know each of the shooters are. Um, if you have somebody who's not a turkey caller, you know, you usually put them with somebody who is a, a caller or put them in the middle where the birds are going to come in. But the social part of it is so much fun. And the other part of fall turkey hunting versus spring turkey hunting is there is a level of fitness that is needed to be able to get out there and get these birds. Um, you're going to cover, you know, an average day I'm going to cover six to seven miles. And wow. you've got some of the rocky terrain here in the mountains. It, 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 it's tough, you know. You can go to some other areas, maybe smaller private parcels and not have to walk that much but if you're going to be hunting up here in the big woods of pennsylvania you're going to cover a a lot of terrain before you find the turkeys yep well being social as it is uh you know i'm sure you probably have a long list of people that want to go with you and uh i know that that just has to be be fun too and i know we've got some listeners there saying well you know we do have a fall season in our state and uh other states though not all states allow dogs in the pursuit of wild turkeys. And do you have any idea, just just a rough estimate, how many other states may actually allow dogs in the pursuit of wild turkeys? Yeah, there's actually quite a few. There's 29 states uh, wow. that actually allow fall turkey hunting, and there's only 14 states that have a fall season that don't allow it. Um, mm-hmm. well, a great place to look and check if your state allows dogs for turkey hunting is a website called Turkey Dog Dog. Org. Um, so it'll, it lists out all the states, keeps you updated. And also, if somebody's interested in a turkey dog, it's also a great place to look for um, maybe where you might want to purchase a turkey dog. Yeah. Well, the season is in, uh, at least in some units. Uh, tell us, how would someone go about, let's say we've got some listeners that live out of the state of Pennsylvania. They want to come. Uh, maybe they have turkey dogs. They're hunting in, in, let's say, in Kansas. They want to come to Pennsylvania. Can they buy a license over the counter? What do they need to do? Yeah, it couldn't be any simpler. You know, our, our non-resident licenses are only 100 bucks. Uh, very, one of the most least expensive states from, to come in yeah. from out of state. We've got one, one and a half million acres of state game lands that are open to hunting. We have about three million acres of state forest, state park, national forest. Uh, there's a lot of open public lands here in Pennsylvania for non-residents to take advantage of and get out there and let their turkey dogs have some fun. Yeah. How does your dog react? It just came to my mind. How does he react when you hit the call? I mean, he's already scattered these these turkeys. They've gone to the air. Some of them are calling, coming back. How does he respond when he's laying there right next to you and you're you're on a call? Oh, he's intently watching. In fact, it's funny to, in the in the house. I'll 
if I'm watching a turkey hunting show, he'll be playing with his toys, just having a good old time. And, and then a bird yelps on TV, he'll stop dead in his tracks and stare at that TV <laughs> and won't move. Um, and it's amazing in fact I was talking to JT Burns who breeds these dogs in preparation for this interview and you know I even asked him I said you know it just seems to me Tucker every time he he sleeps in bed with me he's always under the covers when he's on the couch he wants to be under a cover I said did you train these dogs to you know want to be under something like in these bags he goes nah Brian he says "Um, your dog's just spoiled rotten okay he's right and I'm guilty as charged Uh, they they, they know that turkey sound and they love it Oh, me. Well, that, that is so cool and, and so much fun. And I'm sure everybody asks you, what's your favorite call to use, calling device in the fall? Hands down a diaphragm call because I don't have to move my hands. My hands are free. Um, and I can make a, for me, I can make a better call with a diaphragm than I can with any, compared to any other call. Uh, there's some great boat, boat paddle calls out there that you can make some great key keys and yelps. But my preference is, is a... Uh, is a good diaphragm that'll you know you got to look at get the right diaphragm. Not for me, not all diaphragms you can really get a good key key out of. Um, but I have a couple calls that I really like that I can get a good key key. Yeah. Well, Brian, how about uh, sharing a a final thought here with our listeners here in the final minute uh, to to maybe inspire them or talk about uh, hunting in general? But uh, give us a final thought. You know, hunting is one of those things, especially in the fall. It's just an absolute marvelous time. And if I was going to leave one thought with, with the listeners is, you know, take somebody new hunting. We need more people in, out there enjoying this great tradition of hunting. Take somebody who hasn't hunted. Most states, including Pennsylvania, have mentored adult hunting programs where it's easier to get people out in the field. Rob, obviously, you know all about that since you were at the grassroots of getting that started years ago. Take somebody new. Take somebody and introduce them to this absolutely a stunning experience that we call hunting brian it's so well said i just want to thank you for the great job you're doing there with the pennsylvania game commission leading the way thanks for being with us today congratulations on helping so many outdoors men and women enjoy this wonderful opportunity to hunt and by the way if you want to get in touch with jt Byrne of Byrne turkey dogs you can give him a call 540-875-7704 Let me give you that number again for J.T. Byrne. It's 540-875-7704. And, folks, that's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll be back next week with another show you won't want to miss. Until then, I'm Rob Kack on behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call, that call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations. 